0: Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway.
1: Command codes verified. 31 message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
2: Hello, captains. You're listening to episode 175 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast. Recorded Thursday, May 22nd, 2014, live and available for download or streaming as of Monday, May 26, 2014, at priorityonepodcast.com. I'm Jace.
3: I'm Cookie.
2: And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Skiffy. Kapla. <coughs> So, uh, I guess it's just the two of us. Cookie?
3: Um, I, I don't know about that. I don't know what we're going to do.
2: Are you ready? Or, or do you think we're no. ready for prime time? No. We're the new kids on the block. Not, not to uh, reminisce about our boy band days.
3: We don't have Elijah. Skippy, you want to do the show with us?
0: Oh, I would love to join you, but I, I'm not feeling so hot. I think I'm going to go lay down and, and enjoy some tea Earl Grey hot and watch the Lego movie.
3: What are we going to do? Who's going to over-dramatically pronounce each syllable of every word? How are we going to know about Playa Escondido or Salulita.com now that Elijah's gone? This
0: is Control. We
1: read Keep calm and remain
0: on the guard frequency. Do uh, you guys need some help? I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here to help. Uh, I'm coming in. I heard your distress call. I'm here to assist.
3: Tony, yes, please help us.
0: No problem. That's what we do over at Card Frequency. We jump in out of the deep black and rescue people in need of underlords. I'm not the overlord. I'm, the, I'm like the underlord. So I'm here to help.
2: We'll take it. Good. Welcome aboard. So Cookie, you were at Dallas Comic-Con this past weekend, or so I've heard via internet sources. <laughs> Tell us all about it.
3: Yes, Dallas Comic-Con was a blast. And after this weekend, it is now reported to be the largest con in Texas. Yay!
0: Whoa, wait a minute. If it's the largest con in Texas, it must be huge. It
3: is. It was. Okay. They had a great lineup of sci-fi guests, along with guests from other several genres. Most of the cast of Firefly was there, but my main interest was the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. They had Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Denise Crosby, John Delancey, and Brent Spiner.
0: Oh, my. (sighs) Is there a favorite amongst them, I wonder? (laughs) It's hard to tell. Something about saving the best for last? Probably. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay.
3: (laughs) Yeah. My favorite part of the con was getting to see Brent Spiner. Now, I have met Brent Spiner a total of four times now. Mm. Each time was amazing. Amazing. But this last time was even more amazing because I have photographic evidence.
0: <laughs> that you acquired for the low, low price of forty-nine ninety-five.
3: dollars uh, It was a little bit cheaper than that, but not by much. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, these guys, it, I
0: mean, that's how they make their living, you know, a lot these days. So some of them are kind of just like, yeah, move along next. But was he, like, fun and charming and stuff?
3: This was my first time taking a picture with him, and I wasn't mm. sure how it would go because I didn't want the average look at the camera and smile picture yeah, yeah. I wanted one that would correctly portray my passion for him
0: Oh God <laughs>
3: <laughs> I wasn't sure if he allowed special requests mm. it turns out he does and let me tell you
0: nice
3: this picture is epic epic so I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm getting whoo just thinking about it hold on whew. <laughs> Thank you fam, I'm, It's getting really hot in here okay oh, so, <laughs> so I was super nervous when it was my turn. And he actually reached out to shake my hand, but I had to tell him my hands were too sweaty. I just didn't want to put him through that, you know? So he gave me a fist bump, which that was good.
2: That's cute.
3: (laughs) And then I told him, I don't want you to look at the camera. I just want you to look into my eyes. And he pulled me closer to him. And he looked into my eyes for a good five seconds. It seemed like an eternity. And it was so close. A
0: consummate actor, Mr. Spiner. A consummate actor. <laughs> oh, my
3: God. It seemed like it was so close, but looking at the picture, it wasn't as close as I thought.
0: Now, Brent, what I want you to do in this scene is I want you to just pull me close and look into my eyes. He
3: wasn't acting, okay? <laughs> it was real.
0: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sure it was a genuine
3: moment. Mm-hmm.
0: He expressed the full emotional range of data. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, it went way too fast. I it mean, it, it seemed like it lasted forever, but it went like way too fast. The pick is everything I hoped it would be. I absolutely love it.
0: Wonderful. If anyone
3: wants to see it, it's posted on my Twitter, at Cookie Cupcakes. And the official Priority One Twitter account retweeted it. And there's also other picks from Lacan on that account. That is it. at STO priority one on Twitter. This is
0: just going to show how much of a nerd I am, but my favorite one was the season 10 lockbox reveal. That was my oh, favorite
3: yeah. one. hmm There's some spoilers. <laughs> and there's a pic of me and Vic Mignogna. I ran into him. He's, oh, he's a lot of fun. Super nice guy.
0: Well, we'll have to have him on one of these days because we're doing all this yeah. fan production stuff. Yeah, we'll yeah we talked about we, that. Actually, we've had him on before on our Trek It Out podcast. Uh, a while ago, so we'll have to have him back. Yeah,
3: we're hoping to do that. But it was a great weekend, it was nice to see all my con friends, Ken, and I had a wonderful time.
0: Cool. Super
2: neat. Well, Cookie, tell us what we have in store this week.
3: This week, Captains, we check out the latest news on the third installment of the rebooted Star Trek movies. In STO news, we'll cover Season 9 Blog 21, and we offer some pointers for those of you struggling with STO's graphic performance. For our Community Spotlight segment, we interview Fleet Admiral Valor of the Quantum Mechanics Fleet. And of course, as always, we'll open Hailing Frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners.
0: Captains, in lieu of asking for donations this week, we want to remind you about the FCC's proposal for the state of the internet. This was the net neutrality rant that I went on last week on both Guard Frequency and Priority One. So we'd like you to take a minute and let your voice be heard to your congressmen and representatives. And if you don't live in the United States, please take a minute and check out the links in our show notes for how you can register your opinion even though you don't live here. This can affect our ability to deliver you a show, this labor of love we do every week. If it costs more to guarantee your access to our show, we might not be able to afford it anymore. So get out there, let your voice be heard, let your opinion be known, and just get active. Appreciate it. Captains, don't forget that
2: PriorityOnePodcast.com offers more than just podcasts. In his latest Trek or Die entry, Priority One's Fleet Admiral Rogue Jawa shares his thoughts about Robert Orsi taking directorial command of the third Star Trek movie reboot. Check out this blog and others only on PriorityOnePodcast.com.
3: And lastly, Captains, before we move on with the show, we invite you to keep an eye on our social media platforms like Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or on Twitter at STO Priority One.
2: Well, Captains, Orsi takes the helm of Star Trek, so let's
0: Trek that out.
3: Jordan, I don't know. Then let's Trek it
0: out. Captains, you may have heard the news that Paramount has selected a director to replace J.J. Abrams in the third installment of the Star Trek reboot series. That man is none other than Roberto Orsi. That's right, Captains. This underqualified web troller is taking the helm for a film due to release on the 50th anniversary of our beloved franchise. And yes, I'll repeat those words. Underqualified web troller. Now, there's no question that Orsi knows his Trek. Just listen to the interview with John Champion and Ken Ray over at Mission Log Podcast. Sure, maybe he was forced to write Khan as a white man just to have Benedict Cumberbatch in the film. He might have also been strong-armed into bastardizing one of the best films in the franchise, Wrath of Khan. But now, not only is he charged with writing the third film, but he's also going to direct it. So, I'm going to just drill down on some of the reasons why his appointment to the director's chair is probably a bad idea. Number one, Exhibit A, no directorial experience. Directors spend years honing their craft at guiding a character out of an actor. You know, this is a very difficult job. You've got a lot of people, a lot of egos. Most of these guys start small. A small TV show, an independent film, where everyone's just trying to get the work done. They build themselves up to big-budget films with huge stars, tight deadlines, large egos on both the production side and on the filming side. Are the actors playing these iconic roles talented enough to proceed with little to no qualified direction? We'll see. And number two, as we've already known he's kind of a hothead with the fans we all probably remember the whole incidents with the back and forth with the complaints about the writing and a certain profanity was issued for mr orsi telling those fans what they could do with themselves this is not how somebody who has been charged with one of the most beloved franchise in all times probably ought to respond to criticism and finally he's already expected to fail We're taking our eyes off the whole point of Star Trek with the expectation of a bright future and wonderful things to see. With so much vitriol on the web regarding Orsi's appointment as director, there's nothing left to discussion about the movie. In an article on WhatCulture.com, Amar Paul Biering writes, Where discussions about the film should be about things like plot and villain, you now have a situation where people will be anticipating how much Orsi will screw up, and that takes attention away from the rest of the movie, because it now has become The Bob Orsi Show. I think that sums it up. Feel free to disagree and discuss. Now, our own Rogue Jawa has a much milder opinion than I do. Uh, Elijah penned this uh, rant, and I fully support it and read it mostly verbatim. I agree with Elijah, and I sort of don't agree with Rogue Jawa. It's just this guy is not the guy. For the 50th anniversary, not the guy.
3: I mean, it makes me a little scared. Why would they put such a precious gift into the hands of... Of someone that they're not completely 100% sure that will do a good job.
0: Cookie, you're so smart. You're so smart. You know why you're so smart? You use the word gift. This was a gift. J.J.'s company has the contract to do the Star Trek movies. J.J. jumps ship to Star Wars. He had, I think, probably a significant amount of influence on who got named director. Because um, they had. The, he has the contract. And so, yeah gift not a bad choice of words
2: there's a lot of rumors about that stuff with the appointment i think the first point about his directorial experience is the biggest one for me not just with you know are the actors talented enough to do it without the most experienced direction but even talented actors like for example natalie portman you see her in roles like black swan where she obviously has a dramatic range and the ability to come out and give It all give it all to a role Uh, but then you see her in her role as Queen Amidala where she is stiff and wooden and (laughs) you can barely believe that this is a you know award-winning actress yeah it's unbelievable
0: yeah how can this possibly be the same actress? Because, and let's be frank, let's hear the other problem, the writing. Of course. <laughs> a good actress can only do so much with the material she's been given. And, you know, I haven't seen Black Swan, but it's like all, you know, dramatic and stuff. shes I've seen Natalie Portman and other things where she's been very, very good, and she has a good script to work with. And, as you point out, Chase, a good director to say, here's how I want you to bring things out of the script. Here's, take the words off the page, run them through your acting filter Leslie, and I shall capture it on this camera device I have. And so, when you have that package, she does magic things, but then George Lucas writes it, George Lucas directs it, and you get Padme. Right, you get like C-SPAN in Phantom Menace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see C-SPAN. I, what I worry most about is Transformers 2. Ooh. Yeah, that's the sort of thing that I'm worried about. Because on the one hand, Bob Orsi's been charged with making a summer blockbuster. Mm -hmm. Don't screw up the 50th anniversary Star Trek movie by making it a box office bomb. And on the other hand, he's charged with making a 50th anniversary Star Trek movie. Capture the essence of Star Trek.
3: Mm, You guys are stressing me out.
0: It should. Because to a lot of people, that's an either-or proposition. Make a blockbuster or make a good Star Trek movie. I can see where that's a problem. But it has been done before, but not by first-time directors. Right.
3: Is there anybody else working with him on this that's going to also be having any input? Or is it just him?
0: He's the artistic vision. And a lot of that has to go with the fact that the producer's not there running the cast and running mm-hmm. the crew. And so if the director says, good enough, cut, and then it goes to the editing room and it gets washed through and then people start to see like the dailies and the proofs, it's like... Is it that bad that we need to reshoot the whole scene and put the production back and have delays and additional
2: costs? Right, because producers have a big focus on the financial aspect, too.
0: They might go, well, director, it's your movie. Your name's going to go on the credits. What do you think? And if the director goes, okay, or if the director thinks, everything I do is awesome and no one else has any idea how to make a Star Trek movie except me, which is what he has said before, (laughs) then I, I worry. I worry. It's very worrisome.
3: Is he at least a Star Trek fan? I mean, does he watch Star Trek?
0: Oh, yeah. And again, that's another two-edged sword, because it's, you know, I know Star Trek, and you guys should trust me. I am at the helm, and you guys should trust me. Except Transformers 2.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, um, Nicholas Meyer was not really familiar with Star Trek, right? Yeah.
0: Beautiful. No. But the thing is, is that he got it, right? Mm -hmm. He knew what he needed to do. He had a vision and an idea, and he knew what he needed to do. And the thing what he had is that he had a cast of people who had been playing these characters for 15 years and had seen them die and come back to life again. You know, these are actors that had been from 66 to 82. Yeah. You know, that's more than 15 years of time for these people to live and breathe and understand those characters. And so there could be some give and take there. But, you know, this crew has only been doing it for what? Like five years? Right. And they're all doing other projects and they're all early on in their careers really and trying to make names for themselves. They don't want to get tied down to Star Trek. They don't want a career where they are Uhura or Spock. They want this Star Trek thing to lead to other blockbusters. Zoe Saldana, Guardians of the Galaxy, hello. You know, she's getting calls from everybody, but she's not going to be Uhura forever. That's not her thing. That was the thing for the cast of Star Trek. That was the only thing they had. So you contrast that with the situation now, and I don't think you get the same result. You know who I'd rather see? Pipe Dream. Ready for Pipe Dream? Ready. Jonathan Frakes. Jonathan Frakes. Oh, Oh,
3: yeah. Why do
0: you have to even say that? I know. He knows Star Trek inside and out. I mean, he is, I think he's second to Nick Myers in the Star Trek pantheon of directors. Leonard Nimoy was good, but he's really old now and very sick, so he couldn't do it. Maybe Nick Myers might come back, but he's getting up there too. But Jonathan Frakes would be ideal. So if we can, if the Trek franchise survives the 50th anniversary debacle that's coming, bring back Frakes.
3: I'm trying to be optimistic here. I would
0: love to see that.
3: Let's hope for the best.
2: That would get me to watch like behind the scenes and extras just to see Frakes on the sets. Yes. I'm going to throw out
0: a different name. Uh, This
2: is somebody
3: that was
0: actually in the running and I was rooting for as director for Star Wars and then unfortunately Abrams got picked. Uh, Brad Bird. Oh yeah. Pixar guy? I think he could do amazing things with Star Trek. Well Brad Bird does amazing things with most everything. He could have been good too. And that's our community question for this week. Do you think that Star Trek 3 is going to be an absolute disaster like Elijah and I do? Or do you side with Rogue Jawa and think we should take a more wait and see attitude? Let us know on this episode show post on the Star Trek Online forums, or over at PriorityOnePodcast.com on this week's show post. You
3: guys, this is so depressing.
0: Oh cookie. You know what? I'm still gonna shell out my eight bucks, ten bucks, whatever it is, to go see the movie. I'm just a big enough fanboy. But I'm not going to love it. I saw Transformers 2 in the theaters, too. And that's how I know it was awful.
3: might love it. I mean, who knows?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I don't even remember Transformers 2. If I watched it, I forgot it. I don't remember it.
0: You guys are making my point for yeah. me on the Troll Transformers 2 thing. Thank you very much. So. By
2: the way, a guy from Fleet 31 says Tim Russ is a director also. He points that out there. It's hard for me to see them tapping him for a project of this scale, but I think that's awesome.
0: And the thing is, the difference between Russ and Frakes is that Frakes has directed Star Trek movies before. He knows where the bombs are. Mm -hmm. Um, He knows knows where the landmines are. but He knows where where the the Microsoft joysticks are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. That is the one thing I'll never forgive him for, the Gravis Blackhawk joystick. No, never going to forgive him for that. (laughs) The Enterprise does not fly with a joystick. Aside from that moment of weakness... Which, again, was probably in the script, so that's not really his fault. Is that why we got the joystick support in STO? Maybe.
2: (laughs) It's canon. I need to use that now. (laughs) I'm going to get a Sovereign class and fly it with a joystick.
3: (laughs) Discover something that you think the rest of our listeners would enjoy hearing about? Send them over to us via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
2: Now let's check out what happened in News. Computer, status report. Status incoming message
1: I'm only in the mood for good news
0: today first off we bring you season 9 devlog 21 all mission rewards on new Romulus have had their Romulan mark rewards doubled permanently that's right PERMANENTLY. So you gotta go to Romulus to get those missions though. This uh, doubling does not include the EPO tagging mission or that any of the PVE queues, Atmosphere Assault, Azure Nebula, the Rio Station, Mind Trap, and the Vault missions. So uh, those are not part of the fun doubling, but this weekend If you are listening to the Thursday Night Live show, uh, you'll know that those missions will have their Mark Awards boosted by 50% for the weekend of May 22nd to May 27th. So if you're listening to this on Monday, you have like 24 hours or less. Hurry up! Uh, So the Legacy of Romulus pack and the Legacy of Romulus starter pack are also going to be on sale until the 27th. The pre-release prices of 12,500 zen and 2,000 zen respectively are good through those times. So if you want to pick up a uh, whopping package full of uh, starships, uh, titles, uniforms, and bonus master keys, then uh, get on over to the C-Store and pick those up.
3: Yeah. I went to New Romulus today to check all this out. I spent about one hour walking around, looking for ways to get marks. I did a few of the different random assignments, but I did notice that there were some missions that were bugged and were not completable at all, you can't do it. I'm assuming that will probably be fixed soon though, I'm hoping, but those missions near all the transporter pads throughout the map are quick ways to earn Romulan marks. Some of them include combat, some of them don't. And I like that you have that option. Sometimes I just want to relax and not have to worry about defending myself. And like the one in Atle, it takes you up and down that purple river. It was pretty quick and I got 40 Romulan marks, not counting the daily bonus marks you get if it's the first mission you do. So in the hour that I ran around, I wasn't able to collect enough of the plant samples or the rock fragments to turn them in for marks. You need at least 10 of either one to get 30 marks and I just I still I mean I stayed for I only counted like an hour and then I stayed for another hour I still didn't get enough so I mean I'm not going to try that again but I was able to scan a lot of radiation which is fun it's just like mining for dilithium and in that time I got about 500 radiation reports so I received 80 Romulan marks for that and that was for one hour I timed it I didn't focus completely on that. If that was all I was focusing on, I probably could have doubled it, because I was running around doing other things, so.
0: I leveled up my one captain I did the Romulan reputation on, I got him to tier five, but I was uh, doing the five missions in sector space, and I was just auto-piloting through the, uh, the blow stuff up missions, and that got repetitive, that got, and the rewards were not great for it, and you can only do it once a day. Uh, this sounds lots better. And it'll get people into the social zone, to the new Romulian social zone. So
2: yeah, it's a good move, and nice for the anniversary. It might actually get me to go back and uh, farm up some marks for some items that weren't really must-haves, so they yeah, it uh, wasn't really worth grinding, if you will, for. But they're coming at a faster rate; more power to them.
0: Yeah, and the mini game is fun. I haven't, hardly ever played it again because I was just blowing stuff up in, in sector space. But uh, I think, I think this is a, it's a good move.
2: This week's release notes: uh, we have a couple of highlights most of it is uh, bug fixes and tuning again uh, as we've seen several times since the release of season 9 but we do have some changes to earlier missions so they added profession specific kit rewards to each of the following missions both when you initially play them and when you replay them so you can go back and get these if you haven't Uh, Task Force Hippocrates for the Fed and keep your enemies closer for the KDF Fistful of Gorn for all factions Cutting the Cord for all factions, and Of Bajor for all factions. Now have a profession-specific kit reward.
0: Oh boy, I'm going to back and do Of Bajor like six times.
2: <laughs> well, at least there's more incentive to do it now. You know, other than the length of that mission, I actually kind of don't entirely get the hate for it. I have never really had a problem with it since I can do it a little bit different each time I level up a character and need to go there.
0: It, it's it's great as a lore mission. I mean, it's, it's I, I, I rag on it just because it's, you know, it's... Easy to beat up on, it. oh, yeah. but it's just it's 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 a it's really long, and it's like you you do a lot of things till you get to the payoff. If like if it was broken up, that might be better. Yeah, I
2: think it would have been paced better as like two missions, probably.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: They also removed the kit reward from the Romulan mission Abducted and replaced it with your choice of ground plasma weapons, and the reward that was there for a kit is now on fistful of Gorn. That's so all factions re- can receive that reward at the same time because uh, KDF and Federation didn't have access to the mission abducted on Nimbus. Uh, They also fixed an issue with the Vault-Ensnared Qt event. It was giving only three Romulan marks at times, and it now gives its correct rewards, which should also be affected by the 50% boost this weekend. Probably was an easy time for them to fix that, since they were playing with the marks rewards anyway and they also toned down the damage done by the exterior turrets on the Voth city ship in the Breach Elite, which I have heard, while it was doable, it did brutal amounts of damage until you got inside the ship. A uh, couple of tailoring fixes, again with my ongoing theme of the tailor being the true endgame of STO, Rigelian females no longer have access to tails. Rigelian females were never supposed to have tails, so this genetic aberration has been fixed.
0: Oh great. Now we got to do like a retcon like the Klingons in their foreheads.
2: Exactly. That that's kind of what I was thinking. Uh, Lethians now get to join Saurians in actually having arms when they equip the Vofflight upper in the Tailor. They fixed the Saurians who had this problem a week or two ago. Now Lethians, that lovely charismatic race, will also have arms. Borg now get to have feet as liberated bridge officers. I don't know how they were getting around before. but
0: (laughs) It's Star Trek. It's anti-gravity, right? Exactly.
2: You know, I actually still have a tailoring issue going back to last year's race event. My Romulan captain in shorts has no lower legs. So there's a gap between the bottom of his shorts and his shoes.
0: I actually popped into Risea today because of all this, you know, all this swimwear nonsense, mm-hmm. and you know, just trying to see things. I couldn't get the tailor to work. I couldn't, you know, you're supposed to be able to do an Alpha duty outfit on that. I couldn't do it, and like there are options missing from the drop-down menu. Some of the TOS uniforms and stuff were not listed in the drop-down menu. But if I use the arrow over, the the options would appear. So I think that if the tailor is the true endgame in Star Trek Online, they need to go in there with a, with a flashlight and a can of bug spray.
2: Yeah, it sounds like they've been tinkering with it, probably getting ready for the RISA changes if the rumors are true that they'll be linking different garments to only be usable in certain zones. They probably have to create functionality for it to default you back to another uniform or something when you zone out of RISA and that sort of thing.
0: Uh, Work in progress, construction zone, forgive our dust. Yeah, okay, yeah, probably
3: We mentioned this a little bit in the last episode, but the question came up as to why so many people are having such a hard time with the graphics once season nine launched. Well, with the help of our listeners' feedback and Skiffy for putting it all together, we now have some tips and suggestions to help with this issue. If you go to your main menu in game, the little gear in your mini-map, then go to options at the top, you will see a tab called display. Let's start with that. At the very bottom, you will see anti-aliasing. This is a setting that causes edges to not look sharp and helps STO look less like a computer game and more like a movie. It does this by softening lines and causing a slight blurring effect. However, STO has a lot of edges to blur, so enabling this setting is probably the most taxing on your graphics card.
2: Right, and we probably have a lot of fans uh, who are anti-JJ, and seeing as how he worked on alias, you probably are anti-alias as well. So,
0: natural fit.
2: Exactly. Now while you're still under options, if you go over to the graphics tab, at the top you'll see render quality and graphics detail sliders. You can certainly try to tamper with these sliders to hit a sweet spot with Cryptic's own preset settings. However, if that doesn't work for you, here's a few key settings we recommend disabling to greatly improve performance keeping in mind that your mileage may vary. Under the Screen section, you'll see Screen Space Ambient Occlusion. This is, in Skiffy's opinion, the biggest drag on frame rates, second only to anti-aliasing. This setting is a shadowing setting that removes shadows in corners and edges. While it'll have a larger effect on ground maps, space maps should see a slate boost as well. Under the Lights section, look for shadows. This is pretty simple. Lowering this will either cause shadows to not be true shadows, replacing them with circles instead, which really helps your render performance. But you can really test out your frames per second by disabling shadows completely, even if it's just for a little while, to see how much of an impact it has on your system. And under the effects section, you will see soft particles. Some of our listeners have reported that soft particles were the key for smooth gameplay. Try disabling this for a bit to test it out. Soft particles would affect such things as
0: smoke. Now, next if you go over to the Advanced tab, also under Options, the Advanced settings are typically graphics card settings overrides. A few settings of note here is the video memory limit. This needs to be set to either auto or 1024 plus megabytes. There's not many reasons you'd want your graphics card to not utilize the full amount of video RAM. Limit frame rate should also be set to off. On some systems, if this is turned on, this could be the exclusive reason for choppy gameplay. And always remember, captains, real captains run at 500% bloom. That'll give you the real Star Trek experience, especially if you're a JJ fan. We've also got some other feedback about this on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. For example, Mr. Taco Fangs uh, said, Regarding performance, there were changes made to the graphics card settings default, especially for higher-end cards. If you have a high-end card, your draw distance default is now twice what it used to be. I don't think that accounts for everything you guys have been seeing, but please double check your graphics settings, and if you have poor performance, lower them some, like we just got done describing to you. If you use the sliders, max will have higher settings and be more intensive than it was previously. So this is just kind of an update on the the back end of Star Trek Online. They realize that graphics cards are advancing, even though the game engine really isn't, and so they're just allowing those uh, settings to be pushed higher on default uh, than they used to be, just as a... uh, Part of the Moore's law of graphics computing, Uh, every so often the performance doubles, but the amount of engine power that the cryptic engine takes up doesn't double. What he means when he says draw distance, it's found under options, then go to the graphics tab. Under the detail section, it's the first three choices world detail distance, terrain detail distance, and character detail distance. Try messing with those a little
2: bit. Uh, Star wrote in, yeah, there was a noticeable change in video card performance with season nine's launch. From what I hear, it's mostly those with NVIDIA cards. While it's smoother now, there are some still noticeable bumps in the road where STO suddenly freezes and black screens for a few seconds, then resumes like nothing happened.
3: Overlappo commented, with dynamic lighting on, the Undine battle zone becomes a slideshow. With it off, it is completely smooth and performance problems free. I don't think the drawing distance is doing that. That's another tip.
0: Captain Fabulous says, My only significant gripe with the changes is that very often in STF battles, my weapon VFX will disappear, making it difficult to know exactly what I'm doing or if I'm doing anything at all. I have noticed that too. I've gone through all the settings, played around with lowering a few, but didn't see any improvement. I was really looking for something that controlled the amount of effects or effect draw distance or something that might control the display of visual effects, but there doesn't seem to be an option for that. Now I'm not really sure if the problem is on our end. I See I've noticed this, and Skiffy's noticed this, and I've noticed it for a long time in STFs as well when sometimes torpedoes wouldn't draw where you'd see only, like, the outline of a torpedo and not the actual uh, graphic with the lights flashing off it and stuff. Oh, yeah, I've seen Um, that. It seems, yeah, it seems like that's a graphics priority bug or a graphics priority feature, (laughs) Haha, I'm going to call it, Uh, not a graphics issue. Uh, There's just, if there's too many objects on the screen to draw, the uh, software starts making choices about what it's going to render fully or at all, and it's going to probably default to the objects which are more permanent, uh, not the temporary fleeting weapons effects. So I think that's probably what's going on there. And the thing about the weapons fire is that it actually, it's on your UI. You know, if you have your weapons tray in a place where you can see it, when your weapons fire, they start to cycle, and the cooldown is a little, like, arrow, uh, a little uh, clock sweep around there when they're on cooldown. If you're, if you're curious to know if your weapons are firing, that is another way that you can tell. And a gravity well or incoming fire, I agree, is probably more important <laughs> than... An outgoing fire. Dragon's Brethren wrote in, I'm on a low-end,
2: pretty old by tech standards NVIDIA card, a GT 240, and haven't had any
0: new issues as I mentioned. That said, I've been lazy and haven't updated my drivers in forever now. If you're on a low-end card, probably Cryptic didn't mess with those settings because, uh, you know, it's a fragile enough experience as it is, they probably left all that alone and just changed some of the uh, uh, defaults for the higher-end stuff. Yeah, that would be my interpretation of that as well. Theta 9 says, When Season 9 first opened on Holodeck, my machine had a very dramatic decrease in frame rate. However, I have left all the settings maxed out, as they always were. In the time since, my frame rate has restored itself to an average of 60 frames per second all the time now. I saw a post about there being junk in the code that was making our video cards work over time. Is that true? Was the junk taken out? The only change I made to the graphics settings was to uncap the frame rate. I don't know why that was set to begin with. It can be set to uh, keep your video card from melting, uh, you know, or, or uh, uh, some, depending on the quality and, you know, manufacture of your card, that you can damage your card if it gets too hot. So capping frame rates helps with that. Also, I think what maybe you're referring to, the junk in the code, sometimes when you update your graphic stuff, the, it has to go through a process of optimization. So you get feedback on crashes, you get feedback on frame rates from uh, clients that allow you to get that kind of information and you can tweak those graphics updates to, to to optimize the render distance, like Taco Fangs was saying, um, and that kind of thing. So maybe that has something to do with it.
3: Next up is a Fleet Admiral interview. Let's join Jace as he talks to Fleet Admiral Valor and learn about the Quantum Mechanics Fleet.
1: How many people does it take, Admiral?
3: Please notify Starfleet headquarters. Reporting for duty. Admiral.
2: Hello Captains! This episode's Community Spotlight is a Fleet Admiral interview with Fleet Admiral Valore of Quantum Mechanics. Valore, thank you for joining us here today.
1: it's my pleasure.
2: So let's get started. Tell us a little bit about Quantum Mechanics and uh, how you got started with the fleet.
1: It's taken a while to sort of form into what it is now. I actually originally got started with it when it was around Tier 4 already in the Starbase progression friend of mine who's now the co leader with me was a part of the fleet and you know he was part of the leadership and there was an unfortunate part where the person running the fleet at the time disappeared from the game. We're assuming, you know, he lost his account or got banned or, or something. Oh wow. And so yeah, it was it was kind of unfortunate and it was kind of leaderless, I would say, for about a month. And then, you know, my friend is like, you know what, we need to have stronger leadership no one was really taking the role. So he decided, you know what, we're gonna kind of take this fleet and we're gonna take it in a new direction. We're gonna get as many people on board with it as we can. And he did, so he kind of reorganized it. And he asked me, because we had been friends and part of a previous fleet together. He's like, hey, do you want to come on board and be part of the leadership of this with me? And I'm like, oh, totally tier four fleet and just jump right to the leadership who would say no. But it took a lot of work and we've now reached tier five On Starbase, everything, we've completed the embassy, the spire, the the lithium mine, and that's basically where we are at now. Right now, as far as building the fleet, it's more on a personal basis than a grinding basis, if you want to put it that way.
2: Sure, that makes sense. So you jumped in and really took the bull by the horns. This was a fleet that people had put a lot of work into already. So I see where you guys wouldn't have wanted it to fall by the wayside with all the resources and man hours that had gone into building it up already.
1: And that was actually our prime motivation was that um, this was also before the time when Cryptic had put in some more safety measures against people stealing fleets, if mm-hmm. you will. Right. Um, So now there's safety measures where you can only promote people to fleet leader at a certain rate and they can only be demoted at a certain rate. This was before all that. So there was actually a large number of people, a lot of which we didn't have very much contact with, that had the ability to just take over the fleet at any time they wanted to. We wanted to be able to safeguard what everyone had put into the fleet and start building it up towards something that we can be proud of again.
2: Wow, that's fortunate and also a testament to the members that you did have that nobody took advantage of that gap. So does your fleet have a uh, prime directive, so to speak? Are you more of a RP fleet or PVP oriented? What kind of structure do you have?
1: Well, we do mostly PVE. Mm -hmm. We'll PVP on occasion, you know, between each other, especially if Chesto builds or, you know, when the mood strikes us or whatever. Probably the prime directive of our fleet is to try and get people better at the game. To teach our members more about how to build ships how to put together their gear in more efficient ways how to you know really optimize what it is they're doing and get higher numbers so whether that be you know if they're going to try and build a tanking build then we want to be able to say hey if you want to tank in this game that's great you got to have a little bit more than just surviving you have to be able to pull threat off of other people that are doing damage and we'll try and teach them how to do that more effectively and even more so when we're trying to build ships that can really dish out the damage, we're talking builds that can do, you know, upwards of twenty and thirty thousand damage per second, and you know that's on an average.
2: Yeah, that that can be quite an undertaking for a new player grasping all the systems and actually putting builds together that function in practice.
1: And see, both myself and uh, my co-leader, we both have to kind of learn the game as we've gone along. I spent probably a good year involved with fleets, learning how to run them and stuff, but very much still new at the game, and it wasn't until about a year or so along, someone actually came along and showed me a logical layout to building a ship, you know, doubling up on some of the tactical abilities on an escort so you can keep rotating through them, things like that, and it's like, oh, well, this is what I've been missing, and then from there I've been learning from different people, experimenting as much as I can, and, you know, doing a lot of research. We've come a long way, both of us and we've helped a lot of people along the way as well.
2: That's great, that's definitely something that I have empathy for, as I am sort of the resident systems person, or guru at priority one, and that's just on a very basic level, you know, not the kind of fine tuning that it sounds like you guys are doing, which is great, and I have a lot of respect for. So how about your actual fleet organization? Obviously you guys are fleet admirals, what sort of, what sort of hierarchy do you have as far as officers, or different levels for your members? How do you manage access to your fleet's resources, forming STF groups, stuff like that?
1: It's actually fairly loose. We've got you know the normal number of ranks, but the all but the top two are strictly by how much you've donated to the fleet. And basically, as soon as you hit that donation point, you're upgraded to the next one. And we're actually in a situation right now where we have a lot of stockpiled provisions for the fleet. So we're at a point where we don't mind having everyone have access to be able to buy from the stores and get their fleet gear right away, you know, regardless of donations. The top two ranks, the top one is myself, my co-leader, and we have one other person who's also on that ranking, so that he basically will fill in the gaps if the two of us aren't around for things. And then below that we have senior officers, we have several people who run our TeamSpeak server with us. We actually brought them on board not long after we kind of started running the fleet, and yeah, they brought a TeamSpeak server along with them and they've been great to have along as well. And we've got several other people that, at that rank. The rankings, if you want to know the numbers, just briefly, it's like 25,000 to go from the first rank to the second, 50,000 to the second to the third, and then 75 for the fourth, and then the fifth one at basically the highest you can get as a regular member is 150,000. If you want to be a senior officer, we put that at about 750,000 contributions and that's also based not just on the contributions but we also want to you know talk to the person get to know them make sure they're a good fit for what they want to be doing for the fleet.
2: Naturally that makes sense. Regarding fleet morale how do you guys keep everyone working together and the whole fleet operating not so much the same mindset because you know obviously our fleets aren't board collectives but Basically, how do you keep everything going smoothly and one big happy family? Like I said,
1: we do have a TeamSeek server,
2: and we've mm-hmm. got
1: you know a good handful of people who will come on that regularly. Otherwise, we'll generally just use Fleet Chat, and we'll put out fleet-wide mails every so often to keep people updated on you know important developments with the fleet. And on top of that, you can email either two of us as fleet leaders anytime. And since we're both on pretty much every day, we'll be able to get back to you even if you're you know on during times that we're not as far as forming stfs and you know keeping things grouped together like i said we'll just use fleet chat we don't have a klingon aff- affiliated fleet so it's just the regular fleet chat i think the old fleet used to have a uh, cross fleet channel that they used, but mm-hmm. unfortunately the only person who had admin privileges was the person who disappeared so we decided to kind of drop that when that happened
2: yeah sort of circle the wagons while you were dealing with all that
1: yeah it was a lot to deal with at the time
2: well, i'm glad it's worked out so far Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe even your members outside of the game. we just like to hear a little bit about how our players are real people outside of STO.
1: Well, um, I'm 24, um, I don't currently have work but I'm looking for it, and I spend a lot of time in STO, it is the primary game I play. My co-leader is uh, married and has a family, Just down in Florida I think it is, and you know, we've known each other for a good year and a half now in game. and we talk regularly out of game as well. We've got a couple other members that are also on a Facebook group. I think it's the one that you would kind of advertise you're looking for people to interview. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's been good to kind of interact with them a little bit outside of the game as well. Uh, Again, about Star Trek that way, because it's a Star Trek online Facebook group. For the most part, it's, you know, whatever people want to share about their lives, you know, while they're in the game. We don't really do a whole lot of role-play, if any. So it's it's mainly just, you know, whatever we happen to be talking about. Personally, I love Star Trek. It's been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. I've actually got, like, a Star Trek uniform somewhere in my closet. I do have all, like, the series and the movies practically memorized.
2: Very nice. So,
1: so it's been a great game to play, and it's been a great community to be a part of.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Getting back to the fleet, how would you describe your leadership style as it pertains to being a fleet admiral?
1: For the most part we let people be you know whatever they want to be in the game but what i am proactive about and i'd say my co-leader is as well is we're going to be looking at people's um ships and builds and then we'll, we're going to be proactively going after people's like look i see you're doing this kind of thing do you want to try you know something different we've got more effective ways to be able to do that kind of thing because sometimes it'll be you know people who just either are shy or don't know that there are people in the fleet that have this kind of knowledge that are willing to share it and spend, you know, half an hour to an hour or more just sitting down and going through the basics. And so we'll actually go through it's like, hey, do you wanna learn how to do keybinds today? Or do you wanna go over which bridge officer abilities do what and why you should use these instead of those? And we'll do that oftentimes without people having to ask us first. The STO gateway is actually a really great tool for that. We're able to kind of just take a peek and see what people are doing and see how they're doing with that oftentimes see where people will need a little guidance
2: very cool yeah it's a good point get about gateway i hadn't really thought about using it that way proactively with helping people out with builds because i've found it can be challenging even to figure out what the most effective thing say to work on next is like what to prioritize i guess you would say
1: and that's actually where myself and my co-leader i'd almost say specialize in different areas he's got a lot of resources he's put some money into the game and he focuses on basically two characters. Uh, he's got a Tactical Federation character and he's got a um, Science Federation character. I think he's got a Romulan on the side that he's done a, only a couple things with. But he's done a lot of different things to try and absolutely maximize those characters. And so with that, he gets to you know experiment a lot because he has all this gathered, built-up resources that he can just use on different ships as he you know, tries them out. Whereas I've kind of spread a lot of my stuff across a lot more characters. I've got about 15 characters right now in game, and all but one of them are maximum level. So what I've learned a lot through that is how to get the most out of a ship on a budget. And I've been working towards you know, building a lot of my ships more towards what he's been able to accomplish with his, but because I have to spread my resources out farther across more characters, I have to really learn to prioritize, okay, what's going to give me the most bang for my buck next? And where is it really going to count when I'm going to spend some more resources? Because it's going to take me a while to get up those resources. And I want to split my time between doing, you know, just the basic daily stuff across a couple of different characters at least. So between us, I think we've gathered a lot of good game knowledge to be able to share with people.
2: Wow. Yeah, I could see how that would be even more crucial. I'm in between the two of you guys. I have three characters that are max level and then a couple of others, but have mostly focused on uh, a couple of them more like your co-leader. It's surprising how forgiving the game is. You really can get 90% of the way there on minimal resources if you really know where to put it. It's the last little bit that you really have to pay for, I've found.
1: I've also found that the farther you go, the easier it is to put more resources into it. It's almost like when you start making energy credits, the first million is probably the hardest to get. And then after you've got a million, it's like, you know what, it wasn't that hard to get two million. And after that he's like, oh, you know, it wasn't actually hard to get to this 4 million mark that I needed. And then, you know, before you know it, you know, two months down the line, hey, look, I just spent 30 million on a, you know, a set of six beam arrays, which I did actually the other day. I stuck them on a Monta Vesta. Because I rearranged the whole way I was using the ship, plus the beam arrays, I actually managed to double the DPS I was doing before then, and I'm like, yeah, this is on the right track
2: now. A man after my own heart. All right, well, I could talk to you about builds all night, I think, but it's always hey. interesting to learn about other fleets. I sort of floated in the game on and off for the first couple of years before I got involved in more depth into, like, builds and fleets, and then now Priority One. So I kind of feel like I uh, I don't know the, the community as well as I could for being in the game since it started.
1: See, I've only joined since it went Mm free-to-play. But about six or seven months into it, I'm like, you know what? I'm really enjoying this game. I'm going to keep playing it. And then they added the veteran rewards to the lifetime subscription, and it went on sale. Like, I'm grabbing that. So I got that at $200. And everyone I've talked to so far about who's grabbed lifetime subscription has said it's worth it to them.
2: Yeah, I, I got it when they had the sale immediately before the game came out. And I just... I came from playing WoW for a long time, and I just knew if I had to pay a subscription, I probably, if I lost interest, I would just quit and never come back. So I wanted to have that ability to just come back at any time, and it ended up paying off because once it went free to play, they still kept giving us more rewards, you know, so that we didn't feel like we were out in the cold.
1: My co leader actually came from World of Warcraft as well, and he's used a lot of that uh, MMO knowledge to kind of, you know, delve into the game mechanics of this game. And this is my Mm -hmm. first. MMO that I've really stuck with. and honestly it was because of the initial learning curve with learning how to you know know what to go and do in an open world MMO. I've always been more of a structural kind of linear guy, but um, because it was Star Trek, it really kept me in there and uh, now I love the game.
2: Yeah, same here. I think that's true for a lot of people. the the Star Trek connection, has made people a little more uh, forgiving of some of the rough edges over the years and now it's really shaped up into what I genuinely think is an awesome MMO having played numerous online games over the years.
1: It's also one of the best free-to-play models for an MMO I've ever seen.
2: Oh, absolutely. I also play Marvel Heroes Online which is a little more of a Diablo type game. played it too. Oh yeah, I like that too, but I definitely prefer the STO model. Their model is good because you really don't have to pay for anything other than uh, cosmetics and inventory space, but the inventory space thing is like painful if you don't pay. I- I'm sure you've seen that.
1: Yeah, I literally, like as soon as I found out you had to pay for the inventory space, I saw how limited it was and there's no way to grind for it in-game, I'm like, okay, I can't actually go through and keep going and playing this game because I will reach a dead end and I won't be able to play it anymore.
2: And that's that's the double-edged sword of it on purpose. You know, you find it's those games, those action RPGs are loot-centric, so you want to keep the stuff you find and then you run out of room real fast. Yeah,
1: and then they basically force you to pay them to play the Fury to play a game or yeah. don't play anymore. Like, mm-hmm. you know, no thanks. Yeah, it's
2: rough, especially with them giving us more ship slots and more inventory slots for all players recently. I think they've done really well.
1: They've they've definitely put in a lot of um, quality of life improvements to the game, especially recently. I'd say the switch over from Brand Flakes being the community manager to um, our new guy, whose name currently escapes me. Captain I'd Smirk? Say that's him, and the person who's. CEO or whatever it is. He's done a bang-up job, I'd say. He's almost immediately started putting in things into the game that the players have been asking for for a very long time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like he's got that that grocery list of things that we all wanted from the game that needed to be fixed, and he started just banging them out one after another and trying to bring out some new content along with it along the way. And I think it's been a, a great combination.
2: Yeah, I agree. Like I said before, we could I could easily chat all night. I think uh, you guys are kind of on my same wavelength. Other than uh, Priority One, I'm also with the uh, Reddit Alert with my other characters, and their build community, I don't know if you're on Reddit at all, but they have an STO Builds subreddit, which just fascinates me. People post all kinds of interesting stuff there. It's where I learned a lot of stuff.
1: There's actually a subgroup on the STO Facebook group that I believe you were on that myself and one of the admins for that group started because we just were having such trouble with people on the STO Facebook group getting really upset whenever someone commented on the build that they post on the Facebook group. (laughs) And I'm an admin of the STO ship builds group on Facebook um, along with him. And it's actually turned out beautifully so far.
2: Oh, very cool. I might have to look for that. Do you have a fleet website? I know you mentioned the Facebook group. Is that the main out-of-game resource you use?
1: It's not actually for the fleet, the Facebook group. It's just something that a couple of the members are a part of. Gotcha. Um, And, no, we don't actually have a fleet website. So we'll just communicate in-game or whenever people get on the TeamSpeak server, basically.
2: So in-game and TeamSpeak, yeah, I mean, that covers
1: most of the ground you would need anyway. And and Uh, the game has a mail system, so it's not like we're out of contact.
2: And how does someone go uh, about becoming a member of the fleet?
1: All members have the ability to invite to the fleet. All that we ask is if someone other than one of the officers invites someone to the fleet, send a mail to one of the fleet leaders so that we can put an officer note on them saying the date that they joined, just so we can keep track of who's been here, how long, and if they don't show up for two months after only joining for like two days, then maybe, you know, it's time to get rid of them and clear the roster a bit. Gotcha. I
2: did forget to ask earlier when we were talking about the structure, do you have any fleet rules or guidelines, anything like that, that you ask of people other than the contributions for promotion?
1: Honestly, even the contributions for promotion, it's only if you want to be promoted. We don't require that people constantly put in contributions. And just basic decency, you know, don't be addicted to people is the will we rule to go by. My co leader sometimes gets annoyed when people don't pay attention to what it is they're typing. So if you can type properly, then that's good. (laughs) All that we ask then is that you at least be legible when you type.
2: Fair enough. Is there anyone you would like to give a shout-out to while you have the mic? My co-leader is
1: La that's his in-game name, and probably Cypher is our uh, senior officers, as well as Isaac and To Padster, who run our team, server, and our senior officers in our fleet, and been with us for quite a while. Those are our main shout-outs. Um, Erica's our third man on the fleet leader roster, and uh, he's been good in a pinch when we've needed him.
2: Very good. All right, folks, that about wraps it up for our interview with Fleet Admiral Valor of Quantum Mechanics. Velour, thank you again for joining us tonight. And for anyone who would want to contact Quantum Mechanics, it's V-apostrophe-L-O-R at yellowteam1, meaning the numeral one.
1: Uh, once again, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
2: You've got it. Thanks a lot.
3: Message coming in, sir.
2: Hailing frequencies. Open. <laughs> See, we are getting to know each other. Welcome to Feedback, where we hear what you had to say to us about last week's episode, our community questions, and any other topic that crossed your wonderful minds. So this week's community questions were, Do you use mines as a weapon on your starship? How do you think the new Radius modifier will affect your mines? And, No more tradable Nerve Tonic! Will you quit STO? Rage! So starting off with question one, do you use mines as a weapon on your starship, and what are your opinions about the new radius modifier that's being introduced?
0: From the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Kazumi Yukarin writes, Hi guys, great job as always. I always enjoy listening to you. Unlike many others, I love, love, love my mines. I find them to be very useful, especially after you've taken a shield facing out. Oftentimes when fighting, I fire a whole mine trap and then lure attacking ships into it. I, for one, am glad to see a radius modifier because I always thought that the range of mines was at an odd distance and I always wished that it was an even .5 kilometers. However, only seeing them on biomolecular mines saddens me and I hope that they'll add them to other types of mines. This modifier will definitely make my gameplay against the Undine easier, but unless they add it to other types of mines, I don't think the modifier is useful in the long run. Mines are not very popular and adding an arguably useful modifier to only one type of them will not help much.
3: John Newboy writes via priority1podcast.com, typically the only mines I ever used were the tractor mines. I think the new modifier is a good idea. Many thanks to Dr. Hurt. Sounds like a Stallone character, by the way. And Chivalry Bean. Wonderful show.
2: Azureian Star writes on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Nice study on fluidic space. Interesting to think of it as artificially made. But I think it's better off as just being another universe. That way it opens up more possibilities of what else lies in fluidic space. Mines in STO never impressed me as a weapon. They're far too limiting, their damage is no better than if I used a regular torpedo. The only time I ever used mines was in the old STF days when we dropped tri-cobalt mines outside the transwarp gates and and the Borg flew right into them as they spawned. However, since they did that, torpedo and mine pass a few years ago the old breen cluster torpedo became a nice weapon to have that's why i don't see adding a radius will make them any better their explosive yield is not large enough to do any real damage and they're rendered useless with all these aoe abilities
0: yeah i kick on scatter volley or fire at will or the automated point defense turret and i shred stuff like that pretty quick and and even the tractor beam mines i always keep uh you know evasive action and deuterium burn and um Polarized hull, um, and uh, what's the what's the uh, the attack pattern? Attack pattern Omega. I mean, just zip right out of it. So I, I never liked mines. Never saw any point to them. Uh, Anthony Shane McEwen comment on Facebook for this episode for mines. Yeah, I used them a bit, and I hate them. The whole deploying them and waiting for them to activate takes time. Torpedoes get the job done better. Target fire boom hit there. Job done. But mines deploy, wait for a bit, then they activate, then they fly off, and they get shot. Tractor (laughs) mines are better because they actually do something. I know. They get shot. That's what I do. I just click fire at will or I click scatter volley and boom. Moving on to question number two, again, no more tradable
2: nerve tonic. (gasps) At Captain Tapal writes via PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm really disappointed with the bound nerve tonics because I loved giving them to others during radio parties—subspace radio, epic gamer radio, MMO radio, Kirtang pirate radio—which that's a new one to me. I got to check that out. And it was a good way to RP and socialize and make good friends. And I know Cookie made a good friend that way. Oh I my. gave them to
3: my friend. I didn't give them to complete strangers. I gave them to people that I knew. I didn't—not like I was running around wasting them.
0: Well, now you can't waste them in, uh, anymore because they're bound
3: aqua shoes and posted on priority1podcast.com the swimwear is real if you go to the Riza Taylor NPC chick she has an option that says off duty and then there's one that says where can I get swimwear and she tells you how and that is on Riza only and yes I checked it out aqua and that's so exciting I saw it it's official you can get swimwear on Riza well not yet but soon
0: You have to have the Lulu not favors
3: or something. That's how they're gonna
0: you're gonna buy. Just like the the costumes last
2: year, uh, the shorts and the sunglasses and stuff. So I'm actually looking forward to the summer event. I had a fun time with it last year. Yeah, especially if they're gonna do like the hoverboard races, as we've
0: opined here on the show.
2: The new ship from the the leaked images of the new ship look really neat too.
3: And there's a spot on Riza where you can stand and you can get almost everything. You can get the mail, exchange, and bank. (laughs) <laughs> you might have to move a few feet, but it's really close together. So, I mean, it's a really nice place to just hang out anyway. Yeah, you can
0: do all your transactions just right there. It's, it's, it's everywhere you want to be. Lazy Ferengi. I'm going to have to make a really fat
2: Ferengi and just park it there at Rice as a bank hall. This is too lazy to even move from room to room to do business. Each week, our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, opinions, and suggestions for the show. Please keep them coming, whether we listen to them or not. Reach out to us on Facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at STO Priority One or shoot an email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
3: Well, that wraps up Episode 175 of Priority One Podcast, recorded live on, wait for it, GuardFrequency.com forward slash live. It was a test thing. We might do it again next week, too. Remember, we usually record Thursday nights live on Trek Radio starting at around 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. And you can subscribe by pointing your podcast catcher at feeds.priority1podcast.com.
0: Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comments section on our site or on the STO forum post for this episode. Remember, this week's question is, what do you think the future holds for Star Trek Three? Are you with me and Elijah that Bob Orsi is probably a bad idea? Or do you agree with Rogue Jawa that we should just wait and see? Let us know and uh, tell us your thoughts. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites.
2: Head over to facebook.com slash priority1podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STO Priority 1. You can even join the Priority 1 podcast chat in-game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space priority one
3: captains we want to thank you for your ongoing support of priority one podcast you can continue to support priority one with real world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals we are all volunteers and we could use your help with purchasing new equipment hosting fees or to alleviate travel expenses as we cover conventions on location We'd love to see you at the Star Trek Las Vegas convention.
0: A very special thanks to everyone who's already contributed and continues to do so on a recurring basis. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One. And I'd also like to remind you one more time, please let the FCC know how you stand on net neutrality. Links will be, once again, in our show notes.
2: And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions, Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Would you do the honors?
0: It's a pretty good show. You should check it out.
3: The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your at handle, and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com.
0: Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineer, Skiffy, and our new audio assistant, Ben Churchill. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and Trek Radio. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek Online community, and our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons.
3: Engage.
1: Engage.
0: No, 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 that didn't come out right. That man. Shh, shh. Professionalism. Sorry. Right, Chase.
3: Somebody, bo- somebody went like this to the microphone while you were talking too. You should just start all the way over.
0: Yep, just like that. That was good radio. Amazing. <laughs> all right. Well, we probably ought to wrap this up because our Trek It Out segment's like 12 minutes long now. So uh-huh. no one's gonna want listen to that. Sorry, sure they are <laughs>
3: no, it, it was it was it was a good, was no, a good rant skiffy
0: joined in there it was all good stuff Thanks, absolutely
3: and, and cookie's in.
0: crying into her milk <laughs> she crumbling in
2: milk. I'm still
3: trying to be optimistic okay
0: I'm right there with you. go ahead
3: it's not over till it's over
0: i th- I think we already did cut out that part, didn't we or 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 or, or no 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 <laughs> that, sorry, feedback. no but I, what well, what if I'm you cut out the, me
2: and cookie, this is just going to be the yeah. tony show featuring it's tony, tony.
0: Show. it's me talking to myself.
2: Yeah, Priora Tony won. <laughs> Priora We already have the Tony show, that's right. <laughs> With Tony and some other guys.
0: Are we gonna, do I need to make good radio while
3: people talk? <laughs> uh,
2: sure, I'm just setting Cookie up to... Next up uh, is
3: <laughs> if we don't have a little <laughs>
2: Perfect. <laughs>
0: That was great. Oh, now, was gonna now say- I'm going to be a director. I'm going to be a Bob Orsi. This and Now, what I want you to do now is I want you to panic as you say that, because we want to make sure we have a high emotional content for the show. So, go.
3: Oh, he's deleting it. Next up is the Fleet right. Arrow interview.
0: He's causing you panic. <gasps> jo- he's causing jo- you panic. You don't know your lines. You don't know what's happening. Oh, my God.
3: In what? In what? I the truth, people, people, in mocking cookie. What? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. As we talk to Fleet Edward. Okay. okay, I'm going to cut,
0: cut, cut. <laughs> Elijah will be in China next week as well. So that's two weeks you won't have to deal with that.
1: Yeah, so he got a job you know, for
2: Apple assembling iPhones, I think, right? <laughs>
1: Oh!